Jeremy, what's your favorite sport? Blood sport? No, death sport. That oh. uh, Roger Corman film. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he directed it, but he definitely produced it. They ride motorbikes in the future, and they live in city-states, and between all that are wastelands inhabited by mutants. <laughs> and one man dared defy the city-states. Uh, I can't remember that man's name. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been David Carradine. <laughs> um. No, it's actually a pretty dumb sport as far as those go. Uh, my favorite sports are definitely ones in films, like uh, like maybe uh, like Kill Bike and Warriors of the Year twenty seventy two. Yeah, like yeah, some stuff like that. Uh, you know, like the death races. The there was a similar like Kill Bike thing in uh, Things to Come. Right? Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Yeah, Things to Come has that amazing Kill Bike. I can't remember what it... Kill Across. Kill Across, that's yes, right. Yes, Kill Across. Amazing sport. That's probably my favorite. Um, in the order of sports I've played that I enjoyed, I probably liked basketball the most. Because okay. I, I just got to run up and down, and sometimes I would just like you know like check people and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to do, but, <laughs> but I did it. And I hated football because my dad was the coach. Yeah, that's understandable. And I didn't understand how the game worked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a similar issue when I joined the uh, freshman uh, high school football team. I also didn't actually know all of the rules to football because I didn't watch football because I didn't care about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, T-ball, I liked that until I walked into a bat rack and got a black eye. Oh. <laughs> but mostly I would just play outfield and I would just sit out there and play with that dirt <laughs> and think about going home and watching the super Mario brothers movie that my mom had just rented. <laughs> so I was about like five or six then. And those were the things that occupied me. Yeah. I didn't do uh, a lot of sports as a young kid, yeah. which may shock you looking at me. I was, in uh, a, I was in stuff like most of the time, but I was also sort of like a little chubby kid. So it didn't yeah. like get me fit. Like, in elementary school, like, our school had a bunch of weird programs, and one of them was they had a a karate class. Oh, did you take karate? Yeah, I took karate for a few years, and I got, like, my yellow belt, which is, you know, very low praise. Yeah. But uh, I was an elementary school kid, so, you know. Your shirt's yellow. My shirt is yellow. Just you held it even to this day. Yes, I, I consider this shirt a... Uh, demonstration of my rank. It's a demonstration of your martial prowess. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I I did a little bit of that, but uh, I didn't really get involved in anything else until freshman football. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, I think we've talked about... I didn't finish the year. Yeah, I think we've talked about that uh, before. You're like Al Bundy. You bring (laughs) up the one you're... uh, High school football experience, but it's much sadder. Yeah, it's it's no Al Bundy. Al Bundy. He had four touchdowns in one game. Exactly. I don't have. I would, don't think I actually played a down in a game. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there's definitely uh, nothing to brag about. I was learning violin for a little bit. It's not a sport. No, not at all. And neither is uh, being on the uh, quick recall team. No. 
Those aren't sports. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was about all I had. No tennis then? No tennis. Uh, did Have you played much tennis? Played volleyball, which I feel like is tennis without the, the stick. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. I, I think I, I mean, I've There's played net, like. You know, you yeah. got to get it over the net. Play a little badminton. They got the birdie. Yeah, that's similar. I think that's similar. I know that they they play sets. They do. And that is all I know about tennis. I know a lot about tennis because of Mario Tennis. Oh, you actually have to like, learn the rules for that? Uh, I mean, just in the sense that you know that there are like, sets and like you get like 15 points and it's all that weird stuff. And did not play those games i was like mario's playing sports now i was like this fucking sucks uh mario tennis is pretty badass that's uh, good mario uh strikers soccer i preferred when a... he i just preferred when he partied i mean i've partied with mario myself uh those games are infuriating though yeah they i i hate the worst thing is you spend like an hour kicking ass at a bunch of mini games and get a bunch of stars and then somebody else lands on a space that's like Switch give everybody yeah, yeah give everybody all of your stars it's just like what the fuck have i been doing for the past hour and a half busting your ass for no reason they're uh they're not merciful games and i like that <laughs> no um mario tennis is a little bogus at times, but uh-huh. for the most part is uh, much more sportsmanlike. Now at the Mario Tennis Club, can you fulfill uh, your fantasies? Not that I can tell. You can get a little little slice of peach. <laughs> um, that, that's not come up in any of the games. I would imagine that off screen that's probably happening. She's yeah. the masseuse there. Right. Okay. Kind of like Kelly. Kelly Kapowski. Kelly, the masseuse in this movie that we're talking about today. Kelly LeBrock from Weird Science. Of course, today we're talking about Weird Science. That would be fun. It's not an adult film. It is not, no. (laughs) But we're talking about Hot Rackets. We are talking about Hot Rackets, which is uh, is a Gary Graver joint. It is. Yes, it is a Gary Graver joint. Sure is. Um, And we have quite a cast here. Um, particularly amongst the ladies, because we get uh, Candido Royale, mm-hmm. um, Lorian Dominique, and Desiree Cousteau, who yeah. were all in Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls. Yeah, we get three of the four Hot and Saucy Girls. Yeah. Um, of course, we have John Martin, who... Saw last week. Who we saw last week. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's a little bit better. <laughs> You know, we got Don Fernando and uh, Ray Wells, mm-hmm. some other people we've seen before. Did I point out Mike Ranger? You did not. No, well, Mike, we got Mike Ranger. We got Mike Ranger. I think Frank James is in it. Uh, he is not. No? Okay. I was thinking he was in it. I don't know why. It's, you know, it's sometimes just a bunch when of a, Sometimes when a guy has a mustache, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're either, you're like one of three people to me. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt, Harry Reams, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Those are the men that had mustaches. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Hot Rackets is the tale of 
upper class people with no other problems who get to run out every day and play tennis and not worry about the problems that us working class people do. Yeah, but there's a little bit of a, there's some working class stuff in it. As we'll see. Well, yeah, there is. A little little subplot, a little little subtext about the help. Yeah, there is. It's just not subtext. It's It's not subtext. It's It's just a a little... Subplot. It's some some text about what happens when Master is away. (laughs) Yeah, Master is away, the mice will play. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Hot Rackets. Gary Graver, what a great man you are. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was looking at Teddy Roosevelt's mustache. <laughs> I psyched myself out for a second thinking that, I was like, did he have one? I was he, like, I'm certain he did. And he does. He definitely does. Robin Williams played him in Night at the Museum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before you know what. <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking about whether or not to make a joke about that, but uh, I decided not to. Sorry. But it's just as bad, I guess, that I pointed out that I thought about it. So yeah, it's an easy, it's an easy one. Uh, I'm taking it easy. Well, uh, <laughs> well, let's take it easy by uh, taking a quick break, and we'll uh, have a little more sake, or okay. I will. Yeah. So you're still, you're still at that sake. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna be at it until I'm asleep or it's gone. Are you? Um, Acquiring a taste for it? No, not yet. Okay, I didn't think so by the sound you made every single time you've had a shot. It's more just like my mental compulsion to finish what I've started. Yeah, well, that's good. That's um, that's how we keep this podcast running. That's true. I've I've thought about quitting hundreds of times. Yeah, and uh, it hasn't happened yet. So. Yeah, I think we've had this talk before about you, you talk yourself off the ledge when you're done editing the episode. Yeah, that's yeah. usually what it is. It's usually I'm about to edit and I want to do something else instead. So then I'm like, man, I should just quit doing this stupid podcast. It's a waste of my time. No, but we're and making... then I've edited and it's done, and then I feel good. And yeah, I keep going. Yeah, it's a compulsion. <laughs> Well, I'm compelling all of you to take a break while I compel Boss to drink this sake. And we'll catch you back here in a moment. Yes, we will. Bye-bye. Bye. Good morning, America. Have I got news for you. It's a rise and shine beautiful day here in the city. And now, here are the headlines. 11 dead on freeway mishap. Red China in corporate complex deal to buy out all shares of AT&T. Informed government sources say traces of meat have been found in McDonald's hamburgers. Skid Row Slasher shoots the hillside strangler. Patty Hearst gets life imprisonment. John Mitchell swears vendetta against Nixon. Two dwarfs injured in freak accident. Eight southern states vote slavery constitutional. And tennis fever sweeping the country. But first, this. Welcome back. We're talking about hot rackets. Hot rackets. Like hot pockets? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I haven't had a hot pocket in like a decade. I stopped eating them at a certain point. I was like, I have to grow up. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. It's It's been some time for me. Yeah. They're good. I mean, like, they're not great, but like some of those meatball ones sometimes, sometimes it's okay. 
but uh, yeah, not they're not for me anymore. But I think if you're still eating hot pockets, if you're out there now and you want to enjoy a hot pocket, I would go for a meatball. Yeah, it's a it's a solid hot pocket. I would say if you have trouble with them, bite a corner off first, do a little <laughs> blow into it. Yeah, yeah. Cool the inside down so you don't burn your mouth. It's a solid life hack. Yeah, and don't always eat both. Just sometimes, just have one. Yeah. Yeah. Health nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, hot rackets. Yeah. We uh, open to a four-panel shot of tennis and sex as we start our hot rackets credits. Uh, as the credits end, we cut to a house as a radio DJ is reading the headlines. Yeah, a lot of bad news in the world. Uh, they, I think one of the most notable ones is that they apparently they re-legalized slavery in eight states. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's become some Alex Jones shit. <laughs> uh, they're like, McDonald's hamburgers contain meat. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think is just a real goofball. That's some old cornball stuff, but there was some bad stuff mixed in there. Right. But the good thing is, is that tennis fever has spread. Tennis fever has spread, it's about, and it's spread to the Adler house. Yeah, it's about time we get a, a nice pandemic in this country, <laughs> you know? It's about time. It's about time. We've suffered enough. So, in the Adler house, we have Herb Adler, played by John Martin, and we have his wife, Liz Adler, played by Candida Royale. So we see Herb wake up. He rolls over and pulls the covers off of Liz and starts to rub her body and lick her nipples. Liz pushes Herb away and says, not now. He gets frustrated and leaves, and Liz calls out to Sally, her sexy maid, (laughs) who shows up to make the bed. Sally hears Herb shout out, and uh, she checks on him. He's in the shower, and he's cut himself shaving. But, of course, he's also butt-ass naked there, cock-dangling. Mm-hmm. So Sally comes and comforts him and decides to continue to comfort him by blowing him to a soft disco pop song. Yes, it's very nice. It's very good, like, yeah, soft disco soul theme. Yeah. Uh, this movie is very white, but it has a very funky soundtrack. It does. It's it's a very, like, it's what they call blue-eyed soul, where like white people do soul music. Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. This is a film of blue-eyed soul for late '70s yuppies. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a thing of beauty. <laughs> well, Herb has shaving cream all over his face, and Sally has some on her chin from when she leaned in to kiss him, but. uh she continues to suck him for a while, and after a bit, he starts saying he's going to come, so uh, she finishes him off on her face, stroking him. Sally sucks him a bit more, and then she rubs some shaving cream on his tip and laughs. We cut to Liz, walking out front of their fancy house, uh, looking off of a balcony. Carl, a male servant of theirs, approaches. He's the chauffeur and butler and... Yeah, just the he, general just, man about the house. He's their, uh, he's their fin, finwell. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
he takes some dishes away, and uh, Liz asks Carl if her husband has eaten yet, and Carl says that he's being serviced, or served, he corrects himself, <laughs> by Sally. Liz tells Carl to have Sally draw Liz a bath when she's finished. We see Herb leave, and uh, Liz is yelling at him for playing so much tennis. They shout back and forth, and he leaves slamming the door. We cut to Herb in his car driving away, and then go back to Liz. She's on the phone, and she calls Mona, Mona Sims, played by Rhonda Jo Petty. Uh, Mona is, as they're talking, having her pubes shaved by her husband, Bill Sims, played mm. by Mike Ranger. It's a lot of shave play in this film. Yeah. And all bunched together, really. Yeah. Start of the day, you know. That's when you get all your shave play done. I guess that's true. I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. It just makes sense. Yeah. I'm not much of a shave player myself, so I hadn't really, like, thought through. Yeah. I don't do a daily shave. <laughs> no. No. We're a couple of beard boys. Yeah. We've got small chins and thick beards. I've got the, uh, the, uh. A wolf man. The wolf man going where my beard starts growing up my cheeks. Yeah, there was a a kid who was pretty hairy in high school, but you couldn't grow a beard, but like there were like thick patches of hair like under his eyes, and I was like, he's like a fucking wolf man. <laughs> uh, good kid. <laughs> good wolf boy. So Liz is complaining to Mona about Herb going to play tennis all the time and how she doesn't get it. Mona says she didn't get it at first until she found out what really goes on at those tennis clubs. Uh, Mona apparently explains what's going on to Liz, but we don't hear her audio as she's doing it. We just see Liz's reactions. As the phone call ends, uh, Mona and Bill start to make out. Liz then talks to a photo of her, saying when they got married, she told him that she wasn't that into sex but she can't believe he's stepping out on her. Liz starts to play with herself, but is interrupted by Carl, who asks if she wants him to pull it out. Uh, it's finally clarified that he meant to pull out the car, mm -hmm. and she says that he should. We cut back to Mona and Bill. Mona's pubes are now totally shaven, and uh, they 69 with some very obviously overdubbed dialogue. Yes. Which is a, a staple of this film. Bill penetrates Mona with his fingers as he's licking her clit, and she sucks his cock. This goes on for a bit, and then Bill mounts Mona missionary. Yeah, he really works her open with those fingers first. Yeah, he does. He um, gives it to her for a bit. Yeah, this music is also pretty funky. Yeah. Yeah. He really gives it to her, and they change positions a couple times. Uh, he keeps at it and spends some time really massaging her tits as he's railing her. He finally pulls out and comes on her pubic area. We cut to Liz's house. Carl pulls the car up and opens the door for her, and she asks Carl to take her to her husband's tennis club. We cut to some shots of people playing Dennis. We see uh, Lori and Dominique Kelly... Is he playing Dennis? I might have said that, but I meant to say tennis. <laughs> Took me a second to register. That's what I heard. They're the... playing tennis at this tennis club. <laughs> and Lori and Dominique, Kelly, showing off her ass in her tennis shorts. And she stands up and her tit falls out. 
Oh, shit. When you see a guy whose cock is peeking out of the bottom of his shorts. That'll happen. <laughs> Their shorts were so short back then. They were. Uh, it was a better era. There's an announcement over the intercom that four courts are open as we see Liz and Carl arrive in the parking lot. Yeah, I made a note of that because it was repeated very often. Yeah. <laughs> Carl opens the door for Liz and lets her out and she walks in and uh, she arrives in a lounge area where Larry, the waiter, uh, takes her order, which she wants a grasshopper. So Larry is played by Ray Wells. She asks Larry what the fascination is with tennis, and Larry explains it's a real sexual turn-on for some people. He says that many of their players play nude or scantily clad. She doesn't understand this, and he asks if she's ever experimented with sexual fantasies. She apparently hasn't. No. He tells her that he's fully clothed now, but she should try to imagine him without a shirt. When she does, uh... She sees him without a shirt. Yes. So we see the from the camera's eye. And then he has her imagine him totally naked, which she does. Yeah. He tells her if she concentrates as she's looking, she might see something real far out. She then sees him and peers down, and his cock has some sunglasses on top of him, <laughs> on top of it, as if it's a nose. Yeah. And a cigarette's wedge between his shaft and his sack. Yeah. She saw saw something real far out. She did. Um, This movie has a strange new age belief system (laughs) of uh, like manifesting things. He tells her if she really wants to see something wild, she should look in the mirror. So she looks into the mirror. Oh, it also has a cursed mirror. Uh, She looks into the mirror and we cut to her sucking Larry's cock. She sucks him off for a minute, and we see her finish him off with her hands and lick and suck his cock a bit more. We then fade back to Larry and Liz in reality in that lounge. He says he's not a psychiatrist, but he knows the problem is that she's a tennis widow. He suggests that she should explore this place and meet Kelly, the masseuse. We then cut to Liz coming home. And then fade to night, where Liz is reading a penthouse magazine. She's listening to an erotic radio broadcast to lonely women. (laughs) Yes. And uh, she starts to play with a hard plastic vibrator. Yeah, I think once we get on the Louisville Public Airwaves, our show will be very similar. Wonderful. Yeah. We're going to make Louisville hard and wet again. Yeah. It's been soft and dry for so long. M A L H W A. It's not. It's not sloganable. Okay. That's, <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. It's not going to fit on your hat. Oh boy. Well, the radio guy rambles on a bit, but ends with "I wish you good vibrations." We cut to the next day, and Herb is leaving again, and then later we see Carl taking Liz to the tennis club again. Liz watches some guys playing tennis, but then uses her imagination that she developed just yesterday to imagine them all playing naked. And so they do. Uh, The announcer is telling everybody to watch their balls, fittingly enough. Yeah. We cut to Sally... Uh, she and Carl are at the, uh, house of the Adlers. That's their name, Adler. 
Um, Carl's complaining about how demanding their bosses are, and Sally agrees that they do all the work around the house, and Carl suggests that maybe they should do some playing. So Sally's standing on top of, like, a giant rock in their living room area. Yeah, some bizarre uh, modern art sculpture installation that they had put in their big yuppie house. So Carl looks up and licks her pussy for a minute before uh, getting her down. He lays her back on a bench, and uh, she starts to uh, suck his cock as he's standing over her. After a bit, he leans down, and they're really 69ing for a bit. We cut to Sally sitting on the bench, and Carl kneeling on the floor in front of her. He penetrates her and fucks her on the bench. He gives it to her for a bit, and finally pulls out and comes on her pubes. Back at the club, we see Kelly blowing a guy. Liz walks into the room and apologizes, and Kelly tells her not to worry, but to stand back, because sometimes he explodes. (laughs) Liz imagines a geyser of cum, but we do see in reality Kelly actually finish him off on her tits. The geyser of cum is like a lot of fake cum and it's like a zapping sound, like a laser sound. Yeah, yeah. Immediately put me in the mind of pulsating flesh. (laughs) Still an upgrade over last week. Definitely. Liz asks if uh, she's Kelly and Kelly confirms. Kelly asks for a moment to change her shirt and notes that she loves cum on her tits, but it gets sticky after a while. Um, After seemingly wiping the cum off off screen, we see Kelly going through some clothes, and she talks about having been with every guy at the club at some point. Kelly shows Liz some clothes and then talks about how she loves the cocks around here, but she really loves to be with a woman. Liz is hesitant for a moment, but next thing you know, Liz and Kelly are naked and making out. (laughs) We see Herb and Bill chatting in the locker room, and Herb wants to go see Kelly. Liz and Kelly are still enjoying one another, but they hear Herb knocking at the door. Liz wants to hide, so Kelly hides her face by straddling it. And Herb sticks his head in, and she tells Herb that she's having a private party, but she can see him tomorrow. After Herb leaves, Kelly says that she can get up now, but Liz says she finds this fun. So they continue to uh, enjoy one another in various positions, caressing, kissing, licking, and grinding. Kelly tells her, you don't seem like a beginner to me. Kelly comes grinding against Liz as they make out. Then we cut to outside the Horny Owl. Oh, yes. (laughs) Which is, I guess, is a bar. Um, Inside, we see a guy with a mustache pour a drink. At another table, we see Herb and Liz. Herb is falling asleep at the table, and Liz harasses him for playing too much tennis and says she guesses that he won't want to go dancing, and he says that he's too tired. We cut to the next day, and Liz comes to the car dressed for tennis with a racket. Carl asks to get paid, and Liz just tells him to make sure to pick up Sally at the market. Mm -hmm. And uh, his pay is never addressed again. No, he's doing this all pro boner. (laughs) He's doing uh, speculative housework. Yeah. At the tennis club, we see Googie, played by Desiree Cousteau. Uh, She's wandering around and falls over a couch. 
She later explains that her dress is so tight that she has trouble getting around. Yeah, they introduced her with some real Pee Wee Herman-ass music. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, she meets Larry the waiter and says that her friend told her that this was a good place to meet a man. She points to uh, Bill out on the court, and Larry says that he's rich, but he's also married. Googie says that's her favorite type of man. She doesn't like to get too attached. Herb comes in and starts to talk about the jacuzzi. Googie asks him what he means by jacuzzi. Herb immediately buys drinks for the two of them. Googie says she loves to watch people play tennis. Herb suggests that they sit at a nearby table. Googie says that sounds like a good idea, but she keeps falling down because her dress is too tight. He offers to help her. And then Herb points out Bill and Kelly on the court. He says they should join them in the jacuzzi. Googie says she doesn't have anything to wear, and he suggests she just strips to her underwear. We see Carl pick up Sally at the store, and Sally's in the backseat of the car, uh, filleting a giant carrot or something. Uh, Meanwhile, Carl, also seemingly sexually frustrated, is grabbing the steering wheel and slamming it back and forth. Yeah, that's that's how he drives. (laughs) I guess. That's like how a child would do it. Uh, (laughs) I was going to ask, do you think like when they're driving away, if the stuff is back shot, but then the way he drives kind of makes me think yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, so Carl and Sally go to pick up some plants at some place, but there's a sign outside that says that they'll be back in 10 minutes. So Sally suggests that Carl sh- should get naked so he could go in and get the plants. I didn't understand this plan at first, but it turns out that inside this tiny greenhouse, there's like a bunch of sprinklers going off. Yeah. So the idea was to take off his uniform so he didn't get it wet. Of course. So Carl gets naked and then goes in to grab things, but Sally also undresses and goes in. Carl leans back on the table and Sally starts to blow him. Mm-hmm. We see Sally on Carl's lap as he's rubbing her ass. Then he leans her back on a bench and starts to fuck her. Yes, yes. Uh, I like this scene a lot. I think it's really nicely shot. Yeah. I like the location a lot. There's actual water in it. There's actual those, water in it. Those shower scenes where like, there sometimes isn't. Yeah, there's a lot of water in this one. It gets, yeah, it, gets it gets all over the wet. place. Yeah, I like that a lot of it's like, since it's a greenhouse and it's glass, it's like shot from the outside. Yeah. It's really cool. He's uh, laying pipe for a bit, and then she rolls over and he fucks her and standing doggy as she's uh, laying uh, face first flat on the table. Uh, we see Pete... Uh, a blind gentleman show up. He asks what's happening as they continue to fuck. He hears uh, the woman moaning, Sally moaning, and mm-hmm. asks, Are you alright, lady? Carl and Sally just continue to fuck and moan undisturbed, and then Carl pulls out and uh, comes on Sally's ass. Pete lets himself in, and uh, the couple is still undisturbed by this. He asks who's there, and Pete is feeling around trying to figure out who's there, and he grabs Carl's ass at first. And then Carl gets out of the way, and he just starts to fondle Sally. She's hesitant for just a moment, but then she gets into it. We cut to her bringing Googie to the jacuzzi where Bill is already there naked. Herb introduces Googie to Bill, and uh, Googie takes off her dress... 
and sways around in her panties for a bit before Bill leans forward and slides her panties off and starts to eat her out from behind as uh, he's standing in the jacuzzi and she's leaning over on the edge. Bill climbs up behind her and starts to fuck her in standing doggy. After a bit, Googie starts to blow Bill. Herb is just hanging in the jacuzzi watching all of this as this goes on. He's just absorbing it. Googie leans back around the edge of the jacuzzi and Bill fucks her there. After a bit, he strokes and comes on her pubes and they make out more. You're not supposed to get loads in the jacuzzi. That's like rule number one of, especially at a club. Yeah, at the club jacuzzi, there's probably a sign. Like when I lived (laughs) at this uh, apartment complex and they put up a sign in the gym that said no spitting. You're on camera. (laughs) And there was like a little like emoji with like a holding up a stop sign. (laughs) I I thought you were going to say it it said no loads. (laughs) I mean, there's probably loads too. I'm sure whoever was spitting was probably also like jacking it or fucking in there. I don't know. Probably. But then shortly after it closed down for construction and never opened again. (laughs) So immediately after coming, Bill says he forgot he has an appointment with the masseuse, so he leaves. But Herb is still there with Googie. He immediately approaches her and starts to make out with her, and they climb out of the jacuzzi. We cut to Kelly naked playing tennis with another guy. And then cut to Googie blowing Herb at the side of the jacuzzi. They make out and Herb sucks her nipples for a bit before he starts to go down on her. We then cut to a steam room where Liz is laying there naked and Bill walks in. She covers herself with a towel and Bill threatens to tell Herb that she's there spying on Herb. He mentions that Herb refers to her as frigid, which upsets her. He mentions maybe he can forget that he saw her here uh, seemingly stalking her husband, noting that maybe it's just Herb's cock that she's not into. Unfortunately, he notes he has a massage appointment and then he leaves. So I don't even know why he walked in there. He has to just to do a little sexual blackmail and just kind (laughs) of postpone it for later. We see Herb finish with Googie and she sucks his cock more. We cut to Bill getting blown by Kelly. Liz walks in quietly and takes over for Kelly as Bill's eyes are closed. Kelly straddles Bill's face and he starts to lick her clit as Liz is blowing Bill and kissing Kelly. They take turns licking his cock and then Liz mounts Bill's cock cowgirl. It's just then that he realizes it's Liz there. She rides his cock for a bit as Kelly's rubbing her ass, and then uh, Kelly kind of continues to be the supportive third in this scene. Yeah. As Liz uh, rides Bill's cock, and uh, when he says he's going to come, Liz dismounts and Kelly strokes him to finish him off. Larry hands Herb and Googie some martinis and uh, standard drinking glasses. Uh, Herb Herb sees Liz and decides he needs to go. So, Googie says she's left her purse in the taxi and needs some cash, so Herb hands her $5 at first, and then when she says that's not enough, she needs a taxi, he hands her another $100, (laughs) and uh, she leaves. Yeah, I think Googie might just be like a scammer. Perhaps. I think she just shows up and is blackmail some drinks or some (laughs) orgasms out of some goofball at different clubs and then she's like oh i don't have my purse i need some money 
Right. And she's like, oh, I live far away. I need a lot of money. <laughs> Pretty good. I like that. That's a narrative I'm going with. <laughs> we see Liz returning home. Sally tells her that Mr. Adler says that he had to travel for business tonight, but he would meet her tomorrow at the marina, and also that he'll call her later. We cut to Liz being taken to the marina by Carl, and a seaplane pulls up. Uh, Carl follows Liz with bags and throws them into the plane, and then pushes her butt into the plane to get her into it. Carl says, have a good trip, and then as the plane pulls away, he yells, fuck you. (laughs) We cut to a pool where a guy jumps in and pulls the top off of a woman. We see Bill and Mona... They're their entertaining company, so I guess it's their place. Yeah, it's the party uh, I think they mentioned earlier on the phone. Gotcha. Yeah, and of course, it's an orgy. Of course it is. It's the 70s and it's a party. It's It's bound to be an orgy. Yeah. So Liz lands with Herb in the plane, um, but we focus on the party, and there's a crowd of guests there, uh, including Larry, who's butt naked carrying a tray of drinks. Uh, We see Liz and Herb land in parachutes. Yes. As Herb and Liz untangle from their parachutes, they just kind of join in the party because they landed right there. Why did they skydive into this party? That's a really good question. (laughs) There was no motivation for that. My best guess is Gary Graver got hold of a plane. Right. (laughs) So there's some fucking and a blowjob in the pool, which is interrupted when... uh, the woman there runs off and the one of the guys grabs a hose and sprays the crowd, leading to a bunch of party guests undressing. Sure. Mona is looking for Bill, but Herb offers to help her find him. The rest of the party is engaged in sucking and fucking at this point. Outside, Bill is getting his cock sucked when Mona and Herb are inside, unable to find him. Mona says that she heard about the tennis club that Herb belongs to and says she was bothered at first, but now she gets it. She suggests that they should get it on. (laughs) Yeah. We get more sucking and fucking outside as Mona's blowing Herb inside. She pulls her top off and they make out. Mona then rides Herb cowgirl as they lay on the couch. There's more... Sucking and fucking outside, and Bill comes on Kelly's face. Herb is fucking Mona doggy style inside. Outside, the people are in a pile of flesh, and inside, Herb is fucking Mona hard as uh, she lays on her back in the couch. Herb's really laying some pipe inside and demands for Mona to come, then pulls out and comes on her pubic area. We cut back to Herb and Liz's place. Liz wakes up Herb. They're in bed. She tries to fuck him, and he asks what she's doing. She says, if he doesn't know, then he's been going to the wrong tennis club. She explains that she's been going to the club, and she's learned a lot. He asks if she's upset with him, and she says, not as long as you shoot me full of cum like the pros do. (laughs) Liz, I love you as much as I love the tennis club. And then we cut to credits. <laughs> Everything wraps up very neatly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was what happened with the hot rackets. Wow. Gary Graver, thank you. Yeah, a lot going on at that tennis club. There is, but it's mostly just sucking and fucking, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I meant, you know. 
It's a hot spot in the community. Yes. Yeah. Well, for a certain set of the community. <laughs> right. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on hot rackets. Uh, where to, Mrs. Adler? My husband's tennis club, Carl, and step on it. I think earlier in the week, there were a couple factors contributing to it, but I think just not drinking like much water and just like subsisting on coffee and beer was not a good thing for my stomach in like a long-term way. Yeah, it's probably not. So I'm just going to cut back for a little while and, uh, yeah, I have to cut down on my brown liquids. The doctor said no more brown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're back on the raincoat <laughs> report. Despite a lack of brown, I've uh, I've had a lot of white You've drinking had... the sake. Yeah, it's been a it's been a real white Christmas. Is it Christmas? Um, it's Christmas in July. It's August though. It's August. Yeah, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Damn. Um, uh, so no, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, but yeah, I don't really like this sake at least. Yeah. Uh, but it's. We're, well, we've gotten to the point where the last time I took a shot, I was like, I don't know whether or not I should take another shot. But now the bottle's at a point where it's so close to the end that I just, probably have to just finish it. I think so. I think once this episode's done, you're just going to have to slug it. And then it'll be Patreon time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before it's Patreon time, it's Hot Rackets time. So, Jeremy, after... Living through last week's episode with the Oriental Babysitter, as she's mm. known, um, we had another film this week that oh, is we? a bit better. Yeah, I I thought this was a marked improvement over that for yeah. sure. Uh, as far as like a compared to some of the other Gary Graver stuff we've watched, like Indecent Exposure, I would rate this uh, probably lower than that for yeah. sure. Uh, it's not as coherent as a film. It's very much, I think, of, like I've talked about before, kind of like a feel-good, like, late 70s, like, California porno film. Yeah. Uh, just all, like, good vibes and chilling out. And everybody's a swinger, and no one's really mad at each other. And it's got uh, even sort of like a sitcom end to yeah. it where it's like oh honey i don't care who you're fucking down at the tennis club just pump me like the pros do yeah um so in that sense it's one of those films where you definitely feel good like watching it even if what's happening on screen isn't very narratively coherent right like it's uh, several it's not really vignettes it's just kind of several like incidents sort of strung together right like they're all revolving around like the set of characters it's sort of like uh i'll compare it maybe to like a cecil howard film that's like something like uh foxtrot that's okay. kind of a uh what would you call it an ensemble cast right right uh and you it works 
because you do have like a lot of like good stars. You've got three out of the four hot and saucy pizza girls. You've got yeah. uh, John Martin, who's becoming kind of a favorite of mine. Yeah. After seeing him in a few different things, Oriental Babysitter notwithstanding. <laughs> right. Uh, and his scene of that might have been like the most interesting one just because it was like an anal scene anyway. Right. But uh, I think this is a pretty, it's pretty brainless. Yeah. But that's okay for what it is. The sex in it is pretty hot. There's some scenes that I really do like, like the scene in the greenhouse was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. I think the first uh, encounter between Kelly and uh, uh, Candida Royale's character, Liz. Yeah. Uh, I think their scene is pretty good when yeah. she's teaching her to like get it on with the girl. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the funk soundtrack throughout. Yeah. I really just a good time overall. I would give it like an easy 3.5. It's something you can just kind of toss on and just really kind of sit back and enjoy. It's not, like I said, particularly cerebral. Uh, don't really try to make sense of what's going on with the plot or anything. And I think you'll just have a good time. Yeah. I would say, uh, yeah, yeah, check it out, you know. Uh, it's definitely, if your choices are Oriental Babysitter or, uh, <laughs> Hot Rackets, I would go with Hot Rackets. Yes. Uh, so I'd say, what did I say? Three and, three and a half stars. Yeah. Uh, I think this is one that's due for like a re, uh, remaster, a remaster, uh, re-release of some, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look bad. Like the one we have, it's probably like a DVD rip. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably coming from a video source, so yeah. it's uh, it could certainly use the whole uh, restoration treatment. But yeah. uh, you know, the the DVD in circulation isn't awful. We've seen much much worse. Right? Yeah, definitely. But uh, it's definitely one of those things that uh, I think would find an audience if it were restored and out there a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think it's got the same kind of charm as uh some of those other like late 70s California films that uh bring up but can never think of <laughs> stuff the, the the Bob Chin stuff Yeah, Bob Chin the... stuff. Yeah, that kind of that whole the whole scene, I think. Yeah, all had yeah. a similar uh equals vibe to them. They're taking it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that this movie has a lot going for it. Um I would say also that I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it exceptional in any particular area. No. But it's uh competent in all areas and right. it has a really solid cast. The sex is pretty good. Uh narratively speaking, it's functional. Yeah. <laughs> and uh there's enough going on. There's at least like a journey that the characters go on versus right. Oriental Babysitter where just some things happened and then the movie was over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's at least a bit of a a character arc, even if it's not really very uh, cerebral in any yeah. sense. Yeah, not very. Um, but, you know, this certainly fits in comfortably in that late 70s comedy drama genre of west coast porn (laughs) um i would say it's not one of the standouts of that group but Um, it punches it punches at a solid it yeah it it sits at a solid level yeah it's punching right at weight 
right at weight, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty good. It's I would say that it's not quite like a, a tasty or a young like it hot, but it's uh, it's entertaining, mm-hmm. fun to watch, good sex, uh, nice attractive cast, uh, acting is adequate across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a fun little time, and I'm glad that we watched it. I would also give it three and a half stars. Excellent. Tennis court adjourned. Tennis court adjourned. So follow us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash raincoat report. Uh, last week we did our This Ain't Not Axel Braun <laughs> uh, Patreon episode where we talked about uh, Suicide Squad XXX and yes. 24 XXX. Yes. The Axel Braun uh, Best Picture winners. Yeah, of Two different years, the years they came out. Yes. <laughs> um, so th- that's uh, that's a lot of fun every week. You can help us finance our new studio space slash sex room in my house. <laughs> um, we'll work out all the details there. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report, assuming our accounts haven't been uh, forcibly closed. I think they're good now. I Probably. I haven't checked yet, but I think we're okay. <laughs> And, you know, in the meantime, if you're going down to the tennis club to get a massage from Kelly, don't forget your raincoat. But uh, fold it in half and lay it on the chair because she needs to get her hands in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs>